This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to episode 190 of the Stacey West podcast. I am one of your hosts, Gary, uh, and in our uh, pick and mix um, bag this evening, I'm joined by Chris. How are we doing? Hello, good to be back. Good, good. I'm very well. Um, That's how I was. I didn't even say no, how no, I was. I, I'm very well, thank you. How are yeah, you? Don't, don't, don't even answer the questions like these days. He's got that comfortable. <laughs> he says what he wants. He says what he wants. Yeah, man, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, we were just talking off air, um, and, and you haven't seen it by, by virtue of probably being about six when it came out. Um, but I feel like I've been living in the film The Others um, for those uh, who have seen it this week. So, yeah, Thick Fog pretty much all week and like, I went to walk the dog earlier today and it's foggy and I'm on the phone to my mum which I wouldn't be able to do if I was dead in the others but you know technicality um and and she was like oh it's lovely here it's, it's sunshine here I thought, how can it be sunshine like, I couldn't see a single thing so thick fog all week no postman because they've been on strike solidarity back to workers um I've had three parcel deliveries and every single one of them has managed to sneak down the path knock on the back door and then bugger off so literally I've just opened the back door and it's like oh Nike Max oh suppositories or whatever do you know what I mean so um yeah it's been it's been a week of isolation for you yeah I should add that Fee's not here in case people didn't <laughs> yeah, get she, that yeah, as well. She, yeah, she, she's not dead. No, <laughs> she's, well, she's not. Well, she... That's not gonna that's not gonna land well. Oh, bloody hell. No, uh, no, no, that, that no, would she's, be good. she's so... alive and well, but she's yes, just not with Gary a... at the moment. No, which is why she's well, probably. Um so... <laughs> my, my other half's the same. She I'm, I'm home alone this evening. She's got a parents' evening. Wonderful. Just just, yeah. just to clarify, that's she's a teacher, she hasn't taken a child because obviously you don't have one and she doesn't Correct. talk to children and go to random parents' evenings, which would be Not weird. Not to my knowledge. No, it would be weird. Although she had a parents' evening the other week, so maybe you ought to start investigating that. <laughs> maybe. They do have a yeah. lot. It's a lot of kids. So how did maybe you fill your... away from me. How did you fill your blank weekend? Oh, Greg, how did I fill my blank weekend? I feel I like... Know, um, I know, I know. I feel like I definitely did... I definitely didn't do a lot. <laughs> Saturday, I... Yeah, correct. I, I should have really thought about this. 
I was trying to think, what did I do? And the reason is I didn't do anything. I went to the gym on Saturday morning, which is not very interesting. And then I sat and watched football all day on Saturday. Um, And then we had football Sunday morning. um, Which you won. We did. We're in the quarterfinals of the Cup now. Two matches away from the hallowed turf of Sinsel Bank. I don't know if we've... It's the hallowed turf of Sinsel Bank. I like that. I don't know if we've discussed this before, but obviously people who listen regularly know that you had a a playing career of sorts, didn't you? You were on Lincoln's books and you kind of went round, played for a few different things, but you've never won a trophy. I've never won... Bugger all. See, even I won two Clubman of the years. Yeah, never won anything. Never won anything. So I've been playing football since I was about six years old. I've had more clubs than Tiger Woods. I've won Naffall. So it'd be nice so, to get something. Two games away from the hallowed turf of Sinsel Bank. So, yeah, good luck for that. Well, I went to Cambridge on the same day that they were playing Grimsby in the FA Cup, which was really unfortunate timing. Um, so, yeah, there we go. Interesting. Should we talk about some football? Let's do that because I couldn't even film a weekend with stuff if there wasn't any football. So <laughs> we definitely need football. <laughs> so this weekend, twelve thirty kickoff at Shrewsbury. Um, there is a side that kind of hold. Yeah, I, I hold a little bit of fondness for. Um, people may know I came close to moving there at one point. Um, kind of 20 odd years ago and they, they were a really friendly club a mascot a guy called Ron um, I mean the mascot's a lion called Lenny but the guy in in the suit was called Ron really welcome and I used to go and watch their games so I really like Shrewsbury um, that was back when they played at the Gay Meadow they're now at whatever they want to call that stadium that I like to call it the New Meadow and uh yeah, it's going to be uh, an interesting game. They're, the, they're they're at the kind of the bottom of the mini league, aren't they? Um, that we're in, and and we're at the top of it, but there's very little between the two clubs. Yeah, correct. Um, I've always seen Shrewsbury maybe as a similar type size club as as we are, and just looking through their kind of recent results, they haven't actually had a gr- brilliant run, have they? Um, I was, yeah, like you say, we kind of categorise our league into these little mini leagues because there's the, the top teams that know that we've got, financially at least, we just can't compete with. And there's the bottom kind of three or four that you kind of expect to be down there. And then there's the rest of us. And yeah, Shrewsbury are very much part of that. The the also runs, aren't they? They are. Um, I mean, they've added, obviously, we talk about their results. They've, they've had a, a decent result in the FA Cup. Um, against uh, Peterborough, who they've recently just beaten, um, so they'll be in the FA Cup third round. But in the league, it's not been it's not been quite as great. And and we were talking off air, um, which we seem to do more and more before the podcast. And um, their results kind of almost go to form in that they they seem to beat the teams that you expect them to be, or or they should be competing with. And we're talking about the Burtons, Exeter's, Forest Greens, Wickham's, and then they're losing to the teams that probably you would expect them to lose to. And we're talking about the Barnsleys and the Sheffield Wednesdays of this world. Yeah, prior to when we beat Morecambe, they're basically opposite to us and what we kind of expected ourselves to be, really. Um, but I think they're probably a more accurate representation of their strength in terms of the, the league, maybe than than we would expect them to be, rather than we are, you know. So like, we, we, I think we're kind of punching up a little bit, aren't we, at the moment? We're overachieving, I would say. Slightly, um, certainly with the results we get on the pitch, but beating the big boys, they've all been surprising results. Sure, as we haven't really had that apart from the weekend against um, Posh, obviously in the FA Cup, but in the league, as you say, they've they've beaten again, beaten the smaller teams, and they've 
they haven't beaten the bigger ones. It's quite it's as simple as that. Just looking at their recent run, um, yeah, in, in the league only, they haven't won for for six matches. Um, they've only got two points and only scored three goals in those six games. Um, so if they hadn't beaten Peterborough at the weekend, then we could kind of read a lot into that and think we've got a right chance. But obviously, that that Peterborough results on on Saturday is going to do a lot for them from a confidence perspective. Also, it shows they could score goals because they've scored as many goals in that game as they had in the last six. So, And and also, if you look at that run, actually, I mean, OK, take away the teams that, that we've played, but Barnsley, 1-0 defeat, Narrow, Sheffield Wednesday, 1-0 defeat, Portsmouth draw, Plymouth, 2-1 defeat. I mean, that's it's a pretty horrible run. And whilst there's Lincoln fans, we'll look at that and go, yeah, we, we came out of that particular run of games with... You know, draw with Plymouth, draw with Portsmouth, draw with Sheffield Wednesday, beat Barnsley. But it's, you know, they're relatively narrow margins, aren't they, between success and failure in those games? Yeah, they've uh, they're clearly difficult to break down. Um, it's like they've, they've just got on the wrong side of those tight games against those bigger clubs. And we've obviously just on the whole edged getting on the right side of them. Um, whether you can read that in too much into that in regards to who's going to win on Saturday I don't know uh, it's a lot of it's about style you know we again prior to beating Morecambe our biggest weakness really was the fact that we struggled to play against those the teams that we should be beating but we had a really good game plan against those teams that are going to come and attack us um, I wouldn't put Shrewsbury in either of those categories really I think it's going to be quite an evenly matched um, game on Saturday in regard to set up I don't think anyone's going to turn up there thinking right we just want a point um, but I also don't think anyone's going to turn up expected to steamroller the other. I think it's just going to be two teams going to play in their game. And I think, but that'd be kind of fascinating to see, really. Well, anybody going, I don't want to be the, the harbinger of doom. Uh, but whenever we play Shrewsbury, it's an awful game of football. Um, we went there, obviously, last year and lost 1-0. I think Dan, Daniel Ludo scored for them, who's, who's out for the season. Um, I can't remember the game at our place, but I'm assuming we didn't win it because uh, we, we didn't win many at home last season. Uh, I remember a 0-0 against them when Kean Bolger was sent off, which was comfortably the worst game of football I'd seen until Charlton this season that was 0-0. I think we went there and drew one all. There was a couple of penalties. I, they basically they play three at the back, four in front of that. So you could call it a kind of a, a five-three-two. So it's a little bit like our setup, but they tend to go with two up top at the minute. They're two lone uh, lone players, Christian Sadie and, and and Rob Street, who are on loan from Bournemouth, and somebody else who have uh, who has escaped me. Um, but they're they're basically on loan there. But they've got a really solid centre of the park. Um, I mean, Tom Bayliss is obviously he was a Coventry City youngster. Um, went to uh, Preston and and he, he's a big player for them. He's still only 23. It feels like he's been around for years and years. Carl Winchester's on loan there from Sunderland. Interestingly, the same team that they've got in the FA Cup third round, which I think was probably a bit of an underwhelming draw for them. Um, I've noticed Luke Lee's been playing in the holding midfield role. I think he was left back for Bristol Rovers. Yeah, he's very he? much uh, like an attacking wing back. So that's but interesting he, he, that he's been playing in, in the centre. Well, he's been playing just to the... So he's been playing on the left of the... Or he certainly did against Sheffield Wednesday uh, with Jordan Shipley, who, who we spoke about again on, on the left flank. Mm. Um, and then at the back, Tom Flanagan, another ex-Sunderland. I mean, they've got... When you look at that, you know, they've got at least two ex-Sunderland there. They've got two ex-Coventry City there. Um, they are attracting kind of League One stalwarts almost, aren't they? 
Yeah, that's that's that's, that's exactly what I was gonna I was gonna use. I, I thought it's an underused word. That word stalwart. Well, that's yeah. the one that came to my mind as well. Wow. Um, but yeah, that's exactly exactly what I was gonna say though. Is that they they clearly they're a they're an established league one. So, you know they're they're very rarely at risk of seriously at risk of going relegated to getting relegated. They're never ever going to be a favourite to go down at the start of the season in terms of the bookies. There always seems to be some other smaller clubs or crisis clubs that are, that are favourites there. And um, because you haven't got that threat, you've, you've got that ability to kind of go, well, we're, we're definitely a, a League One club. We have been for a number of years and that attracts solid, experienced League One footballers. Um, I can't see them pushing, having a late push for the playoffs or anything like that. I know obviously we're early, early in the season still, but sometimes you can have a little bit of a feeling about a team. Someone that maybe just isn't, hasn't quite got going yet or someone that hasn't quite you know, hit the ground running yet. Um, for them, I feel... They are where they should be, and that's a solid League One side. Yeah, I'd tend to agree with that. And just to point out, actually, Lee he scored against us um, for them last season. It was the I remember it now. It was the Adam Jackson, wasn't it? Concussed and was stretched off to hospital. We were one oh, in control, yeah, and then they ended up drawing the game. Um, but it's also interesting to note that some of the players who they've got that are not getting games. I mean, Udo, who we mentioned, I think's been he's injured for the season. I seem yeah. to remember. But got Ryan Bowman, obviously not not getting in at the moment. A player who I've actually always felt was a bit overrated. He's like a poor man's Jaden Stockley, and I think he was Stockley's um, replacement at Exeter, if I remember correctly. He was, yeah. Um, so I, I think they've got a decent squad, and I tend to agree with you. I tell you what, they feel like to me now. They feel like Gillingham three years ago, just without the arsehole factor. Um, because, do you know, like the team that you know every single year, they're not, like you just said, they're not going to be anybody's favourites to go up. Nobody's going to tip them to go down because there's always going to be four teams come up. There's always going to be three or four teams have finished below them and who, who have struggled. Um, but eventually that's got to lead somewhere. And and I think uh, we've got uh, Jake coming up. He's speaking to uh, he's speaking to Van Martin, I believe, um, who is from the Two Clubs One Love pod, One Love podcast. Uh, and so we'll go to that now because he he was trying to get a feel and a handle on on where Shrewsbury are going uh, from here. So I'll hand over to Jake. Um, right, then, <laughs> let's talk about about Salop then. Um, season so far, you start in sixteenth. Are the club making enough progress for you personally? Obviously, that's where you came last year or you were around that mark last year. Do you feel like the club are making significant process, uh, progress at the moment? In possession-wise, like you think uh, 16th is not that good, but when you look at the table, like a couple of wins and you're sort of touching the playoffs. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm quite happy. I'm content. Um, the squad is better um, in terms of quality. Um, Numbers-wise... Pretty much the same as last year, but mm. yeah, no, we've certainly made progress with the signings. The, the players have come in, um, clearly see Shrewsbury somewhere that you know can do well. Um, I mentioned to you last year that Shrewsbury and Lincoln, I always see similar types of clubs, mm. you know, with decent support, um, you know, and can attract good players and good managers and, and have good loan signings. So, you know, two good clubs. So it's yeah, it's an interesting game coming up. But yeah, in terms of where we are. Um, you know, we're, I think we're seven points off the playoffs mm. and we're nine or ten points clear of relegation. So, yeah, I mean, if you asked me that at the start of the season with the amount of games played, I would have taken your hand off for that, you know. Thank you, Martin, for joining us. Um, that was Jake and, and Martin from the Two Clubs, One Love podcast. Martin made an interesting point there that you really touched upon briefly a little bit earlier, but I think that we want to go back to it. Um, 
he believes Shrewsbury and Lincoln are very similar clubs in terms of recruitment, the type of player we can recruit, the type of manager we can recruit. recruit. I think there'd be a group of Lincoln fans who probably and incorrectly feel that we're a, a bigger club than Shrewsbury. Kind of where do you land on that? I agree with him. As simple as that. I agree with him. We snuck in the playoffs, which might give you know under Appleton's in, in that might give a few supporters that sense of us being slightly bigger. But let's not forget the season that we beat them in the checker trade final. They got in the league one playoffs, and they were basically in us that season. And they did it without the wage cap, which we which did help us. We can't deny that did help us. We made the best of that situation, but it definitely leveled the playing fields a little bit. Um, you know, so they've had a you know a good season then and. You know, maybe struggled to push on from it. We had a really good season, got to the playoffs, and then maybe struggled to push on for it. I think maybe again, I don't know in Shrewsbury in in as much depth as maybe I should do, um, but maybe I'm just biased. But I do feel that maybe our ceiling is slightly higher than theirs, not necessarily in terms of size of club, but more maybe in terms of board and kind of ownership just kind of organisation and, and, you know, we have a model where we really are actively trying to generate funds and improve the club on the pitch by signing young, making profit and building gradually that way to try and then eventually one day compete with, with the biggest spenders in this league. I don't get that feeling from Shrewsbury. I get the feeling that as much as they would like to progress, it doesn't seem to be that same kind of um, strategy there. Okay, it's an interesting point. I mean, I think sometimes it's hard to pick up on the nuances of, of other teams' ownership. Of course I mean, it Cambridge, is. Cambridge is a classic example that people probably wouldn't look too deeply into Cambridge, but you look at their model with Mark Bonner coming through and just buying the ground back, you get the impression that Cambridge United are a, a team two or three years behind us, yeah. but wanting to do the same things. And, and, you know, I put Cambridge, Lincoln, Exeter, Shrewsbury... I, I group us together. There's no point mm-hmm. in trying to be arrogant and saying that we're a Charlton or a Bolton or anything. We're, we're just not. Yeah, we're just quite simply Port, not. Yeah, I'd throw Port Vale into that as well. And then, in you know, the next group down is probably your Forest Greens and your Cheltenhams and your, greatest respect, your Burtons mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. You know, irrespective of where Burton have been, I don't see them as the former championship side. I see them as the former kind of National League side, you know, that came up 10, 12 years ago or whatever. You know who Burton are like? In terms of stature, they're like Yeovil. Yeah, 100%. And yeah. obviously, I don't, I'm not saying that, that Burton are therefore going to end up back in the National League soon. That's not what I'm getting at at all. But in terms of maybe their stature in the game, you know, had a had a brilliant time being under a real successful manager and well, a couple of man- successful managers in ownership, but were always punching massively above yeah. their weight. Then at some point, you all, it does level itself out eventually. It always will. Um We'll see it before screen at some point, hopefully soon. Fingers crossed. Uh, <laughs> um, I imagine we'll see it with Fleetwood at, at a certain time. Well, that's no disrespect to what the clubs have achieved on the pitch. It's just they're not from very big places, <laughs> and no. that, that that natural level of fan that fan base, and maybe competing clubs in a similar area with you know, there's all, sometimes there's there's a status quo, isn't there? And you can do it. You you can make the best of the situation you possibly have. But sometimes it's it will level itself out eventually. It will, it will. And interestingly, you just put about you just mentioned there about where where clubs are from. It's one thing actually that I think is a, is a strength for Shrewsbury is their position because you know they're a quick motorway drive away from Birmingham. And as soon as you're into Birmingham, you know, it's 
realistic that players who are being released by your Aston Villas and your Wolves and your West Broms and that sort of thing, it's not beyond the realms of possibility for them to travel to Shrewsbury every single day. And therefore, they probably find it a little easier. And I know I know that football's changed a little bit now and players aren't so location-specific really until the end of the career rather than mm. the beginning of the career. We've seen that with, with Teo Eden and, and Anthony Scully. Um, but I do think that location sometimes helps. And I think that works a little bit in, in Shrewsbury's favour. Um, funnily enough, so we're talking strengths and weaknesses. Um, and, and you're happy to move on, I think. Yeah, uh, you're smirking so. there as if like that was a clever segue. I know we keep. Well, I, w- I was, I was, I was, I was smiling because I didn't want to make a point about it because we always make a point of <laughs> going, okay, look how brilliant this segue was, and then it's crap then because we point it out. So I was just smiling because I thought that was quite good actually. Is he, is he going to say it? And you did. So I did. Yeah, <laughs> I did say it. Jesus. Anyway, um, so yeah, so we, we we're going to do uh, for the rest of the podcast kind of a strengths and weaknesses analysis of the club. Obviously, we've had no games to talk about um, since the last podcast. Um, we could talk about the World Cup, but I, I don't really want to. Um, particularly, we might mention it at the end. So we're kind of gone for strengths and weaknesses now. So it's, for those that don't know, it's called a SWOT analysis. Um, I'm sure many of you are familiar with it. It's something that happens all the time in kind of businesses and workplaces. Um, it's a little bit of jargon. Whenever in the builders merchant industry, whenever I applied for a job, um, at another merchant, and and I had, you know more jobs than the job centre um, in my career, certainly in a builder's merchants. Uh, but you had to put a SWOT, together, SWOT analysis together on a particular brand. So I've done them on places like Bourne and Horncastle and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so it stands for SWOT is strengths is the S, weaknesses is the W, opportunities is the O, and threats is the T. And it's kind of trying to give you an overview of you know what's good and what's bad about now and what could be good and what could be bad in the future. That's the SWOT analysis. Now, just to kind of um, maybe make myself look like a chump here. Uh, I did a SWOT analysis on the club back in December 2020. Uh, and it was it was a written SWOT analysis. Uh, so I thought I'd just really quickly touch on that and see how accurate that kind of SWOT analysis was. And looking at it, there's a picture of Callum Morton coming on as a substitute, um, which is interesting. Uh, so at this time, bear in mind, we're talking, I think, about 18 games into the season that we made the playoffs um so the strengths i'd got uh versatility um with players who could play in multiple positions the likes of george grant um people like that played in different positions then aren't they he's probably still at the mid at that point yeah so that was one strength uh now this one is just going to divide people straight away and some will be going yes gary and other people will be going no gary and i'd put management as a strength Mm-hmm. So I'd put Michael Appleton was a strength. Call me a bum liquor, whatever. Um, at, at the time it was, though. Yeah, and it's, still it's, through to more, the end of the more, season. It's more debatable now, of course. But at the yeah. time, it was a huge strength for us. It was a massive it was a massive kind of accolade for us to attract him to the club at the time. Uh, and finally, I'd put league position, which, mm-hmm. considering I think at the time we were up there in the top kind of three or four and, and more or less stayed there. So I think they were quite accurate. Uh, so the weaknesses were... How many had I gone for? I'd gone for three weaknesses. Um, squad depth. So I think considering the injuries to Hopper and Bridcut and George Grant, probably not far off. Yeah, well, if if they stayed fit to the end of the season, we'd have gone up automatically. Um, I've put means. So the budget is a potential weakness, not due to the board being tight. Um, 
I think the wage cap had been lifted or was about to be lifted, wasn't it, at that stage mm. as well? Yeah, it was literally uh, just the one transfer window that it was there for, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, and capacity. So at the time, I felt that capacity was a potential weakness, which is ironic given that no fans were able in the stadium uh, at the time. So I'm guessing this was this within the time before the initial Stacey West development before it got scaled back, before that was even. Yes, there. it was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I've put um, for derbies against Hull, Doncaster, Sheffield Wednesday, we could easily sell. Uh, I put we could easily sell twelve thousand home tickets. Well, that's that's utter rubbish. Um, oh, I've put it might not be currently adequate for the journey that the club could be on. I can see us looking at further expansion longer term if we did end up in the Championship, where attendances would increase further. So there we go. Um, so opportunities. Uh, so I've put commercial as opportunity. Um, so things like uh, income from commercial revenue will keep going up. And I suppose since then we've had the electronic advertising uh, boarding. Oh, of course. It's weird. Like, these things that have been implemented in the last couple of years, you just feel like they've been there forever, don't you? Yeah, you do. We had kind of... had them at that point because we had them against Liverpool and then they were taken down again. Right. And then we kind of installed them permanently Yeah. at some point throughout that season or maybe that summer. Uh, youth system. I've got youth system as a as an opportunity, um, and the picture of Sean Rowan, which again at the time was a long term opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and player trading is an opportunity at the time as well. Where I was actually saying about Lewis Montsma being sold, not Scully and Bramall. Obviously, I couldn't say Bramall because when they signed him at that point. Um, and finally, the last one, these were the threats. And I think that these are particularly interesting. So I've got COVID-19 because we were talking about a second circuit breaker at the time. Right. Uh, and what's probably interesting is that was accurate without me realising it because we lost James Jones to injury. Uh, we lost James Jones to COVID and he never came back the same player. Did yeah, he? he didn't. Yeah, he was he was really solid in that first part of the season, wasn't he? And then yeah. just could never could never find that stride back. Uh, be about the same time as well. Uh, player departures. So I've put, um, this is quite interesting. Uh, that could be in the short term, such as Brandon Johnson going and leaving a gap in our squad or the likes of George Grant leaving in the longer term. Are you sure you didn't write us yesterday? I know, honestly, uh, seriously, December 22nd, 2020. Uh, and the last one was burnout. Um so I've put, we've only got 15 senior fit footballers ready to play. There's a lot of pressure on them. Grant, James Jones and Alex Palmer have started 18 games. Tom's played in all 18. And again, James Jones disappeared after that. George Grant was injured. Tom Hopper was injured. So what I'm trying to underline there, just for those people listening, not that um, I'm pretty good, um, but I am. Uh, the, rather, it's you know that's a SWOT analysis and, and kind of it's interesting then to look back, I think, at times and see how accurate you were. Um, so that's enough from me. Uh, for now so we're talking strengths first of all uh, and I'll hand over to Mr Lamming we've both picked one for his strength yes yes Gary asked me to do some homework um and we've we've kind of picked I think we picked more than one each but we're going to pick one of ours aren't we um yeah and then discuss those so the strength I went for the form that came to head first was our ownership um and then also come over like a side note of a, a real strength is the fact that we've had that additional investment from um, Harvey as well I just think you know you hear stories all the time you know, we're going again back in the news for example about not paying wages and there's always there's always a club there's always multiple clubs of it's not even basket case but just something 
not quite right and something going wrong, someone owed some money somewhere, just that lack of stability. And I can't remember who it was. Isn't it one of a, 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 an ex Premier League manager? Often has said that often what happens on the pitch is kind of a, a manifestation of what happens off it. So if there's a bit of unrest and a disorganisation off the pitch, then that often happens on the pitch as well. It's not normally you find a team that's a basket case off the pitch that actually performs well on it. Um, so we're just giving our, I feel like it's a real strength of how stable um, and secure and just good, just quite solid and good our ownership is. Um, I think it just gives the whole club that level of stability to then, it's kind of building the foundations, isn't it? If there's stability there, everything else can kind of work to its maximum or has the potential to work to its maximum. Yeah, I agree. I think you know, all football fans like horror rumours. Yeah, and there's some Lincoln fans, I just know they're going to come up to me and they're going to try and tell me that something's going to fall apart. So somebody will come and go, oh, have you heard the latest rumour? Liam Scully's going to go work for the FA at the end of the season. Oh, or the latest news. It's like, that's not news. That's what people are saying. It's the same as when people are saying John Akindi's going to go to Salford or, or George Grant's going to go back to Nottingham Forest because we had him on loan, even though we'd signed him. It's that sort of scaremongering. And one of the ones that I've heard time and again is Clive's going to pull out. Clive's going to pull his money out. Well, first of all, he isn't going to pull his money out. That money's Lincoln City's money. Um, but secondly, you know, that's that's never been his ethos. That's, I, I've never felt that if Clive were to walk away from the club and, and he'll scale back, that he would do so without leaving something in place. So I agree with you. I think that there's that kind of solid foundation. There's a good board. You know, it, it's it's much more than Clyde. You talked about um, Harvey, and 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 to be fair, it's the Jabara family. You know, very much kind of Missy and Jackson and Jensen are very front and center of everything as well. Um, and I think that we're probably going to going to talk a little bit further about about them in, in a little bit later on. But yeah, I agree with you. I feel that there is a stability in the club ownership, um, you know, even if you lose to Chippenham and, and some numpty on the internet says the board need to put their hands in their pockets. Football doesn't work that way in that they don't go, here's £500,000 for a striker, but nobody can claim that the board haven't put their hands in their pockets because they have propped up or helped to support a football club through one of the most challenging post-war times um, for sport. Well, they fund the club's losses every year. Like, obviously, we're... we're... We'll get into the point where we, we hope uh, there isn't any, but there is still some. It's amazing. I had the, the fortune of going to a sports board meeting uh, three weeks ago, the last home game. Uh, I think it was on my own before uh, and discussed this. And we're losing X amount a year, which is, you know, no one wants to lose money. But of all the 92 clubs, we're like something like top four, top five in regard to like this. this I can't remember what the metric is at all. Um, it's basically how the metric is how well run are you um, yeah. and for us to be losing about one and a half million pound a year um, is actually bugger all for professional football clubs even professional clubs in the league below um, so it's mad to kind of think that that's the case but it just shows how well, well run we are but it also shows that the, no one can ever criticise the board for not putting their hands in their pocket because they, they, they fund those losses and also those additional investments in in the club every every year, so things like the pitch being relayed is going to have a that'll have had a huge huge impact on attracting players, as will the training ground, etc., etc., etc. So yeah, I just think we're in a really good place off the pitch, and I think that's yeah. probably our biggest strength as, as a football club. And just finally, I, I mean, I, I don't want to kind of 
that would have been a really nice place to cap it off. I did have another point I wanted to make, so I'm going to kind of talk over again. Um, but we talked about actually bad owners. You talked about Wigan, for instance, um, and, and there's always something going on. I think two great examples come from, from arguments I've had with people over the past couple of years with fans of two particular clubs. When we were in the National League and this club were in League One and we were arguing about who's more stable, and I was saying, you know, we're on a good footing. And a Scunthorpe United fan was saying, no, we're in a great position. We've got this owner in. He's got this amount of money, et cetera, et cetera. But there was no long-term plan, no stability, and they fell by the wayside. And when Peter Swan took his money away from Lincoln and went to Scunthorpe, people were going, Lincoln lack ambition. You know, he hasn't come to us for this reason. And actually, you know, there was a degree, I think, of, of relief that he didn't. And then Gillingham is another one. Um, and Gillingham fans were insisting a couple of years ago when they were touching on the playoffs, we're coming for you, we're just as good a club as you, we're on the up, and you look at the squad that they had with Conor Ogilvy and Jordan uh, Graham and players like that. Whereas in actual fact now, I see that the freehold of their ground has just been signed over to a businessman. and uh, That's club, never a good thing. Well, The club won't comment on it. So they don't know if it's a precursor to a takeover. They don't know if it's the result of a loan being called in and the ground being over to him. They because there's no communication from Paul Scally. And do you know what? You can you can get people who think that the board are to blame when you lose one nil to Chippenham, but my God, you know, there are like you say, there are there are sixty football league teams I would not trade places with in terms of ownership. Um yeah, simple as that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um so strengths, I've gone for a strength on the field, um, yeah. or, or kind of around the playing squad. And I, I've gone I've gone for the age of the squad being a strength. Um, so I think uh, I, I haven't looked because I promised Andy Pearson that we wouldn't go on Y Scout and bore him with numbers this week because you know he can get to ten, but I think anything above that and he struggles because uh, he runs out of fingers. So um, I think our average squad age is around twenty three point nine. I seem to remember on on Y Scout or WhatsApp or something. Um, and I think this is a massive strength, and because we have the leadership. We've got the experience. We've got players like, I think, O'Connor and Jackson and, and Paul who were pulling the team forward. But we've got a squad that's packed with, one, saleable players, two, players who are going to get better, um, three, players who have got kind of a, a youthful enthusiasm who, when given the right kind of instruction, can thrive. And I think, you know, I'm going to drill down a little bit further into the young squad and say Max Sanders and Sean Rowan are two of the players who this season, and I know Sean's out of the side now, but two of the players this season who have really stood up and shown that actually, if you kind of nurture and, and, and develop rather than bash publicly in, in, in interviews, um, they can rise and they can perform for you. And this goes back to kind of when Michael Appleton first came in. If you've got a young squad of players who are, who are playing well and who are catching the eye of scouts or, or who's playing with a smile on their face, when it comes to recruiting the next young player, when it comes to recruiting the next Brook Norton Coffee, this transfer window or next transfer window, or, or attracting the next Charlie Kendall, who may or may not do well to your club, seeing young players doing well week after week at the right end of League One at the moment, touch wood, I think that that's a massive strength for the club. Don't know what else to say. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> it is. Like, I think we're the second, the second youngest squad in the league. Um, yeah. I don't know the actual number, but I remember it in the league table. We're second, um, which is very nice. It was there on the, in the actual league table. I, as think, well, Pe- I think Peterborough were. Yeah, that's that is it. Yeah, it is them. Youngest. Yeah. yeah, fair play. Um, yeah, it's just a huge strength of the club, isn't it? And <laughs> that word's going to come up, isn't it? It is the model in terms of 
you were going to say pathway. Oh, no, no, I'll never say that again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's the model of the club is to recruit young players and scout them well, um, give them a platform to perform um, and improve, and then sell them on. And the thing is, the selling them on isn't just a benefit for us in regard to we get to get the money. So, for example, Anthony Scully left the club in the summer. We got some cash for him. Yay, that's nice. And it's good for him to get his move. But actually, that another the next Anthony Scully that's got to the end of his uh, his time at a Premier League club. <laughs> I almost did it automatically then. Um, they're going to go, oh, hang on. If I do drop down to that level, because every professional footballer wants to get back up again. And if you haven't quite made it in the Premier League or you've in like the under-23s and you get released... You're never going to be a successful player if you don't believe that you're going to get back there and you get, and don't have that desire to want to get back there. So you want to sign players who can see there is a way of getting back there again. And us actively selling, you know, recruiting, improving, and selling into the next into a higher level is then going to attract the next wave and the next wave and the next wave. And it was on about earlier about that gradual putting those building blocks in place. If you sell someone this summer for this 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 January for half a million quid. And then you recruit someone else, and in a year's time you sell him for a million, and then you recruit, and then you recruit someone else, and then eventually in three or four years' time, when you've done that for a handful of players, you've then got a budget that can compete with the bigger teams in this league, and then you can have a realistic chance of going to the championship and staying there. That's what we're aiming for, and it's yeah, like you said it in the twenty twenty one, you know, player player trading could be a potential opportunity, and it has been. It's been a massive opportunity for the club, and it's now gone from a, an opportunity to a strength, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so. And also, I think it's interesting that the youngest squad in the league is Peterborough. And Peterborough is, and I'll use the word again, uh, as you just have, that's kind of the model that we aspire to, is bringing the young players in and selling. That's what Peterborough do. And they're still doing it. And they're still doing it with the young squad. And I know there's that famous thing from 20 or 30 years ago, and Alan Hansen said, you'll never win anything with kids. And yeah, I think that that's completely changed because I think the nature of kids these days, so-called kids from Premier League, um, love it or loathe it, you know, these kids have played senior football in, for instance, the EFL Trophy. They understand what it's like to play against men. And you know, Everton knocking Mansfield out, for instance, last night, Everton under-21s, yeah. proves that some of these kids do go on. I mean, I looked back, which was the, it was one, it was the Everton team that I looked back on. I don't know if you saw the article on it. And the number of the players that played against us for Everton under-21s that have then gone on to play senior football because... It, it, yeah, it, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> I don't know what I was saying. <laughs> We've all been there. Um, <laughs> you were saying about the under-21 players at Premier League clubs and the yeah. quality that they have. Yeah, that was it. Having, having the experience and being able to come in and, and not looking out their depth. And I remember back to, I was borrowing a youngster from Spurs called Neil Fenn many years ago and we borrowed a player called Carl Birmingham as well. I can't remember where he came from. He, Manchester oh, City, I think. He was Man City, yeah, I remember him. And, and and when they came in, they looked like kids. And and to a degree you can still see it with some Jamie Saul. You you saw it with Jamie Saul that he came yeah. in and scored. But you look at the other so called young players. I mean, okay, they said Max Sanders took a while to get up to but not in terms of the physicality he didn't. Sean Rowan came in, he hadn't even had that. You know, the, the and he came in and he's looked like a senior professional. So young doesn't necessarily mean lacking experience 
or even just lacking the bollocks to go out there and fight for it. I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't. Sean Sean Rowan is is a kid still to me. But I wouldn't stand in front of him and tell him he lacks bollocks because I reckon that he could quite easily have me physical physicality wise. You know, you're saying kids because of their age, but they're not. And I, I think the fact that Peterborough, a half decent side, and us, you know, in the top ten at the moment, have got two of the youngest squads, just proves actually. If you're 34 and you've played championship football and you drop down into League One, what have you got to prove? You're here for a payday. If you're 22 and you've dropped down here from a Premier League academy, you're not here for a payday. You're here to make a point. As you said, you want to get back and play as highly as you can. And, and hopefully I think that we can see that not just in Max and not just in Sean, who, who hasn't anything to prove particularly, but in the TJ Omers, for instance, um, yeah. and even perhaps Matty Virtue and players like that who are 23, 24 and are still just looking to take that step. Lincoln City looks like the sort of team they can take it with. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, right. So that's the strength. That's the positivity. We always like to find the cloud hidden behind the silver lining. What uh, have we picked up for weaknesses? So my weakness is just a, a pretty obvious on the pitch weakness, which is our, our depth up top. Um, we've been really fortunate, really fortunate that Ben House, who this time last season was a centre midfielder. We all knew he had played up front before, but we all thought he was a midfielder. Um has, has done so well up top um, and looked so at home there. Um, but we were really we were really missing. When Tom Hopper was that injured, we were really missing that depth. And I was just thinking, it was a risk to put Ben House in there. We didn't. He wasn't proven as a striker in League One at all. We're all about giving youngsters game time and opportunities, obviously, as a club. So it was always going to do it. But just think where we'd be now if maybe he hadn't, if he had struggled a little bit. Maybe he hadn't been quite up to speed. Would have been... We'd have had a much more challenging season in that regard. Um, and then I remember defending the, or semi-defending the Charlie Kendall loan out in the at the end of the January uh, uh, January the end of the summer transfer window. Kind of understood why we did it, um, expecting Draper to be there and about because we'd seen him a little bit here before. Who was obviously played in the, in the, in the Checker Trade, not the Checker Trade Trophy, whatever it's called now, Pizza Cup. But he's not been a first team regular at all. Um, so I think the Charlie Kendall loan out has looked a bit hasn't had the hasn't had the desired effect because I remember we was discussing it and we say kind of best case scenario he goes and plays every game. I think that was a given. We was expecting to play every game no matter what, and then he get you know worst case scenario doesn't go too well. He comes back into the squad and he goes out another loan somewhere else a level below, um, and then gets his confidence back. Best case scenario he scores shitloads of goals, and he comes back into our squad in January, but he hasn't played. So. The kind of that kind of unknown quantity, that kind of player that no one in this league really knows a lot about, who did look he looked sharp in the, in the handful of appearances he came he got off the bench at the start of the season. His loan hasn't hasn't worked out for him. We're you know if anything it's going to be puts in a worse position. Tom Hopper's fitness has got a question mark over it. He's obviously missed the last few games. We don't know how fit he is in terms of could he get through in ninety minutes if he has to. So we've gone back to the same age old age old thing. That happens every single year, and that Lincoln, Lincoln City need a centre forward. Fair enough. Well, first on Kendall, great point. Uh, well, actually, first of all, Ben, if Ben's listening, Ben may have picked up on something there. Um, I doubt it because it's Ben, um, but he may have picked up on something there that um, I would definitely have called him out on. Um, so I'm going to have to do the same this time. Last year, Ben House was actually a striker because he was playing up top for Eastleigh. He didn't sign for us until the January transfer window. So. Sorry. Chris. Well, no, that's fine. I stand corrected. I'm always happy to admit when I was wrong. 
in, like, we did sign him as a striker, but the only time we ever saw him last season was, was in centre mid, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. I, but, it was no, always when I you said it. I, I no, just thought if, if Ben's listening, he's going to go. Well, Gary's a massive cock look. Um, so yeah. So anyway, oh, fine. I could do it. It's it. all good. <laughs> but you're quite right on Charlie Kendall. It's interesting, actually. Um, so we had Kendall for one month in August and then in September he went. So he's been there for three months. In one month, he started two games for us, um, both in the League Cup. Um, in three months, he's only actually started um, four for them. So he's only started, he's, he's actually, you know, on a ratio, started fewer games per month for them than he has us. Um, and I think how many has he had? Five, six substitute appearances for them. Uh, he had made three substitute appearances for us. So again, he was getting more game time. Um and he's actually played th in three League One games for us. And he's only played in six, maybe seven League Two games for them. Um, it hasn't, it's fair to say it hasn't worked out. Um, I don't, what's he, I mean, he's, he's played three games in November. Uh, and by played three games, like against Bradford, for instance, he came on on 74 minutes. So he's had 16 minutes of League Two action. For me, it's a wasted loan. Um, yeah. Wouldn't It would surprise me if we called him back. Um, first of all, he was allowed to play in the FA Cup first round for them, and if it was over, if we were of the mind that we weren't going to call him back, um, I think Ben actually said this last week. But you know, we probably wouldn't have allowed him to play in that game. Um, you're quite right. I, I still think we lack depth now, even though we talked about Tom Hopper before. Tom, come, you know, he, he's back. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, we'll see how long he's back for, of course. But you know, I still think that we're we're short, and and I'm constantly drawn back to Fleetwood who signed uh, Promise. I, I, do you know what? I'm going to look it up now um, because oh, he didn't play in that game. That's typical. He come from Ireland. Promise something or other. A, a, a biggish lad. The, come the, on big, the big striker that came on in the second half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly that. Um, he moved over from Ireland, I think, this summer um, to, to Fleetwood. And do you know what? I just... I feel that that unknown quantity is probably what we don't have. And you could even look at Shrewsbury when they sound Daniel Udo from Telford. Mm -hmm. Do you know a striker who's happy, who's big, who, who's physically imposing, like a Tom Hopper style, but who you can bring on 10, 15 minutes from time and who's not going to go, oh, I'm not getting the game time, and who you're not going to go, well, we've invested a lot in him, so we, you know, he's got to play. So you, you're quite right. I think it's, um, you're obviously right because we actually checked with each other and we both think our strengths and weaknesses are right. Promise I'm a cherry. That's his name. He came from Bohemians. That's the guy. Um, the guy. And yeah, so, so he was a handful uh, when he came on, as well, wasn't he? He was, uh, but ironically, he's only started three games for them, um, and has you only played Sorry, five. Sorry. He's only played five. Mind you, he must oh, have yeah. been injured. He was out. Don't know. So yeah, go on. What are you say? It's, it's, it's got a bit of a tangent, well, massive tangent. A trend I've noticed in League One, which is very different to other years. Bar Charlton, who started Stockley. Not many teams have started with a target man, but almost every team, almost every team that we've played against bring one brings one on. Yep. That that profile of player. Yep. And I it's think just that's to interesting. Do, well, I think it's to do with the modern game. Because I think there's a real like if you looked back into the third division 20 years ago, you know, you'd stick two target men and you try to land it on the head. Whereas I think now there is there is a desire outside of two or three teams, Wickham, for instance, there's a desire to try and play football first and foremost. Even the teams like Shrewsbury that you know are going to be compact and tough, it's not boot it up to someone's head. You know, they've got two lads on loan from the Premier League. They're, they're not target men. Do you know what I mean? They're, 
you know, Callum Morton, who was tall, he was never going to be a target man for us. I think it's the way football's gone. I think because because League One teams want to attract players on loan from bigger clubs, you can't have that mentality. You only had to look yeah. at the, the signings Gillingham made last season. They weren't able to sign the quality players that you need to borrow from Premier League football clubs who might be coming to the end of their time, who you might have a potential to sign like we did with TJ Omer. If you want that and you want that longevity, you've got to play football a certain way. And do you know what? I actually think that we're seeing that reflected a little bit in the World Cup. And I think it comes from, you know, when I mean, we had that overhaul and we put the the place at Burton, the, the, the centre at Burton, and it was like, we're going to start teaching our youngsters this and that. And, yeah, I'll people will spit when I say this, but Premier League academies, it's ingrained in you, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's, a, really, it's just a really good point. It just reminded me of, um, you kind of forget how, how much the, the game, just the sport itself, has, has kind of progressed in the last twenty odd years. So, there's a, I'm sure loads of people that are listening will have, will, will be familiar with the Twitter page, Crap Nineties Football. Yeah, and it has little clips of sort of 15, 20, 30 second clips of lower league football, and it's it's gloriously shit. Yeah, I love I love it, but it's it is awful. <laughs> it's everything it you're is, talking yeah. about. Yeah, it's about the whole game's a battle, and it's just lacking in like technical ability. And yeah, we love it, and all of us love it because we you know, we kind of grew up on it. But you kind of to realise, well, that's what League One was, and now look at it. Like from a technical ability, it's yeah. just it's just yeah, it's a different sport in a way. It is. Right, we ought to get a move on because I'm we're 46 minutes recorded, and we haven't put Jake's thing in yet, and we're only we're not even halfway through the SWOT analysis. Um, so I've gone for a weakness that it might be a weakness, it might not be a weakness. We don't know. Um, but it was, it was quite hard to separate weaknesses and threats. So I've gone for a physical weakness, or we've gone, it was actually your point, to be fair, a, a physical re- weakness right now. And that was Joe Hutchinson moving to Grimsby. Now, for those who don't know, Joe Hutchinson was one of our uh, transfer recruitment um, guys. He was, I think he worked with the England under-17s team as a, a stat analysis man when they won the World Cup. Um, he's obviously been a key part of our recruitment, working under Jez, uh, and working with Mark Tracy, um, and he's gone to Grimsby. I think he's been with Grimsby before. I think he's a Grimsby lad looking at the move back. So, look, we don't know how that's going to manifest itself. We don't know if there's a replacement lined up. We don't know. But if you're coming up to a crucial time of the season, as we are with the transfer window, you would expect most of the analysis to be done and the the, the you know the, the recruitment to be well down the line. But it could be a potential weakness going into a key stage of the season without somebody who sounded certainly whenever I've met Jez and when we've had the transfer th- um, presentation sounded like he was a key part of the recruitment team yeah yeah it was uh it kind of came out the came out the blue a little bit didn't it in regard to the um the announcement I don't even know if the, if the club have announced it I just saw it on on Grimsby's Twitter page yeah, Grim, yeah, yeah I don't think um, can announce the thing is for them it's a it's a bit of a it's a coup isn't it to attract yeah, it is, you know a, a key re- recruitment um member of staff from a, league, a successful League One club. Yeah, even, and then it'd be your local rivals. That's a coup for them, isn't it? But, yeah, it's in, it's interesting, though. It'd be interesting for us to know whether we do have anyone lined up or if it was just a case of he just wanted to go there. I didn't know he was from Grimsby. Maybe that would explain it a bit a bit better. I had no idea about that. But, yeah, it's just it just puts a bit of a hole, doesn't it? There's a bit of a, a bit of a hole in the, in the in the team now. And when you come into the recruitment, Real key, key area of recruitment. 
let's be honest, if we're ever going to spend money, we're more likely to spend money in January than we are in, in the summer because you can, get the pl- you can get those players that are coming towards the end of their contracts and maybe some of them aren't available at the start of the window that then become available later on where you can have an idea who you're going to want to be tracking and who you want to be targeting and potentially who you're looking to maybe bring on loan and things like that. But being able to do that kind of analysis and that recruitment throughout the window, you know, Jez and Liam always says, you know, it's 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 fluid. You know, someone will be available one day, then not the next, and they are again two weeks later, which is why things always go to the last day. It's a potential weakness that yeah. there is a hole there. We don't know how significant that is at the moment, but it's not good news, is it? I think it shows that we were scrabbling a little bit for weaknesses as well. Um, True. Yeah, that's it, a good it, point. You know, it, it's really hard. I think when you're in our position, you know, ninth in League One, and, and no doubt that won't be the case in in kind of five or ten games time. I really don't think it will be. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, obviously, we're, we're not sure whether that's a weakness or not. We've picked it up, but um, opportunities. So, what what do you see as your your opportunity going forward for the Lincoln City Football Club? Current league position. Massive Which opportunity. Which you just spoke about. <laughs> yeah, none of none of us expected to be in the top half at this stage. Not you know, not with not as close as we are to the top six. Now, I don't think if we've been realistic, any of us expect us to actually finish in the top six. But there's you can't deny there's an opportunity to get in it. You know, we a, a good a good run of form, a good run of form. Sorry, um, look with injuries, decent recruitment in January. Other bigger clubs maybe still not hitting their their stride and maybe underperforming. Someone could sneak in. Could be us. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, so I think <laughs> that's, that's a really, understatement. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, uh, so it's, it's more obviously a much more immediate opportunity rather than like in the next few years. But it is yeah, it's it's an unexpected position that we found ourselves in, and we deserve to be there. We played really well and beaten big teams. We deserve to be here. Um, but we've got a chance of pushing for something that maybe we didn't expect to have that, that, that opportunity for at the start of the season. So that's that's good. Look, we've lost two games in 12 uh, and one of those chipping them in the FA Cup. So you know, it, it, do you know what I mean? We've, we've basically lost, we've lost I'm not, yeah, two in 12 because there's a couple of Football League trophy games in there as well. That, that's that's not a bad run. It's it's really because not a bad run. Let's think we're if we're talking about an opposition team we're about to play. Let's say the Shrewsbury be on that run, for example, and we're previewing Shrewsbury. We're going to make a massive deal about how good a run they're on, how hard they are to beat. How look at the scenes that they've been beating. They're clearly a good side. We're maybe kind of underselling ourselves a little bit because we're you know we don't like to admit that we're half decent because then you expect to win and then when you don't it hurts more. I don't I don't know, yeah. but. Yeah, maybe 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 we are being a bit more pessimistic, not pessimistic, but just a bit more pessimistic. Yeah, it's pessimism. We've lost two in eleven in the in the in the league. Away at Bolton and away at Port Vale. Um and in that time we've played and yeah, I'd I'd go on about this all the time, but in that time we've played Derby, Charlton, Ipswich, Sheffield Wednesday, Barnsley, um, Plymouth Argyle. So So yeah, so it's it's not just we're in a good position. We're in a good position with the context of also having one of the hardest starts to the season as well. Exactly. And if we're actually looking at what's coming up for the club, so we're talking, we always talk about what games are coming up in the next couple of weeks. So these are, these are the league games for Lincoln. And I'm going to say Shrewsbury winnable. Wickham at home at the moment, something we could get something from. 
Cheltenham away, something we could get something on. Burton at Boxing Day, something we can get something from. There's four games that I would expect us to, let's say, even if you have a points haul in those four games of one and a half points per game. And then after that, OK, Bolton and Ipswich, but they're both at Sinsel Bank. Charlton away, not doing great. MK Dons away, beatable. Burton at home, Cambridge at home, Accrington away, Bristol Rovers at home. Takes us to three days before Valentine's Day. And for me, the toughest game that we've got in that run is Ipswich at home. Now, I'm not going to say we're going to pick anything up, but we could realistically come out of the transfer window having lost one in the next 11. Now, that is it's an opportunity. And even if it's not about finishing in the top six, it's about... January the 1st come in and the next Morgan Rogers or Brennan Johnson or Morgan Whitaker or Brook Norton Coffee looking at the league and going, well, they're on a good run. Not not how we play, because they that be that's how we attract that's how we attract the teams. That's how we attract Arsenal to loan as their players, or how we attract Nottingham Forest. A young footballer like Morgan Whitaker, for instance, I liked Morgan Whitaker. You know same. it, everyone knows I, it. Yeah, I, I well, I'm in the same boat. I really, really liked him. I was just, I was convinced he was, right. I, yeah, I was, yes, absolutely. So we'll make a point of that. Yeah. <laughs> we won't, we won't talk right. about the ones that we proved that have proved us the other way. But um, I don't remember any of those. No. Oh, yeah. They're, they're wiped, they're wiped from, yeah. <laughs> from the internet, aren't they? <laughs> but, that, but that young man, let's say he goes to Shrewsbury, and I'm sure they've got a training ground and they've got a nice ground, and he goes to other places and he comes to Lincoln. He's going to look at the league table and he's going to look at how they're doing. Am I going to come into this team? And if you're ninth, you're not top, there's a chance that you're going to get some first-team football. If you're top and they've won every game, it's harder to break into that. If we're ninth and we're winning games and he thinks he can come here and score a few goals and get a championship loan move next time, Luis Fiorini is a great example, even though we didn't do particularly well. We could pick up a Luis Fiorini-type player who wants to come here, score five goals out in 12, 15 games and go on and play in the championship. So it's a great, I think it is a great opportunity in the short term. In the long term, the opportunity um, that I've got kind of plays into the strengths, but it's the Jabara family. Yeah. Um, Because when they first came on board or when an investor comes on board, the short-sighted thing to do is say, how much? It's the short-sighted thing to do. And a lot of people did it this time. How much? First question. I get why. I understand why. But... When you look at the Jabara family and you look at the way that they've slowly come into the club, um, and, and I think by the share issue, somebody thought that this one was close to the same amount again. Um, I think the share issue worked out something like nine hundred thousand pounds. I don't. Yeah. yeah. So they've come in. They've put seven hundred thousand, seven hundred fifty thousand in first time. Potentially nine hundred thousand this time. Not confirmed, but potentially. Um, They've got Landon Donovan still as the strategic advisor. And people will be saying things like, well, we haven't got anything out of that point. Absolutely. What we're getting at the moment is a foothold in the American investor market. Harvey's looking at coming on board. Um, He's quite clearly an influential man. They're quite clearly um, kind of a a power family, almost, dare I say, not in the crass, nasty way of the Kardashians. But, you know, in terms of investment, in terms of who they know, in terms of the circles that they mix in. Lincoln City will never be taken over by a, a, a you know a multi-million magnate who's going to put 20, 30, 40 million pounds into the football club. But the steady investment and the desire to remain with the club and the presence still of Landon Donovan, you might not have seen him at the ground, but just the fact that his name and Lincoln City are linked on Google searches. You know, I can't under- overstate enough how important he is to American f- football. When I say American football, I mean soccer. Um hmm. Yeah, he's presenting or he's a pundit on their World Cup coverage on ESPN. So, yeah. do you know what I mean? He's part got... of our club as well in some way. Exactly. 
Yeah. He's got the profile over there that Alan Shearer and Gary Lineker and people like that have got over here. And he's part That's of our right. football club. And he might not have anything to do with picking the team. He might not have anything to do with bringing players in. He might not ever visit Sinsel Bank, but he's the ambassador out there. And there'll be another American who knows Landon Donovan, who's got some money to talk, who knows the Javaras, that sort of thing. Their involvement is the same level of opportunity in terms of progression as I think Clive's involvement was when he first came on board. I'm not saying it will take us on the same trajectory. I'm saying that Clive was a ball of potential as well as a ball of money. And what has Clive brought us? He's brought us Liam Scully, he's brought us the Jabaras, he's brought us you know, people flooding into the club who are good for the club. So I think the ownership not only is, is a strength like you picked out, but I think it's an opportunity as well. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. It kind of helps future-proof a little bit as well, doesn't it? Yes, you know, great word. Um, we don't want... Clive to, to step down. We don't. I'm not saying that the Jabaros coming on board in a in a more prominent role means that he is going to. But what it does mean is that if that was to happen in the next few years, we've we've clearly in connect connection wise and in cash injection wise and in terms of they clearly have a desire to stick about. It's not like they they had a first flutter and thought hey, you know what actually it's not for us. Thanks, but that'll do. Is they've had another, they've they've reinvested again, so they clearly really like what's what they're seeing. So yeah, I just think it's we don't know how far that could go, but the opportunities that that you, that you just mentioned in the states are are huge. Hey, maybe we should have a word with our mates from uh, from Cologne. See if they want to get involved. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember their names? Yeah, I do yeah. I do remember. We, uh, yeah. Corey and oh, I can't remember her name. Jackie. There we go. <laughs> I remember that. I've oh. got a friend called Jackie, and I remember saying it was oh, short for Jacqueline. And I remember because Corey had uh, an awful moustache. Um, so let's. The only reason I brought, yeah, sorry, the only reason I brought them up was because it reminded me of like American stereotypes. And yeah. I'll be honest, I am happy to admit my 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 mind has been changed on America as a country a little bit since meeting them because. They were lovely. They were really nice to chat to, and you know, they and they kind of changed my opinion. But they didn't change another opinion about Americans that I have that I've heard is that that, that they can't drink. I was and just going to say they that, couldn't drink yeah, for shit. Yeah, yeah, that was that was absolutely proven. <laughs> Bless them. They were lovely. Yeah. They, were, they were a great company for a night. Completely unexpected well, evening that was. And anyway. you know, I follow I follow the Copper Pot Cologne, um, which was a bar for the listeners that that Chris and I went in. I, I don't know if we mentioned it last time. We we went in for one drink at four o'clock and came out at midnight. Um, and I follow them on Instagram, and every time I see it, I just see it and think, I'd love to be there again. Do you know what? I'd, like, I'd love to go there for Christmas. I'd love to. And even like the night where we couldn't drink the next night because we'd overdone it, when we walked past and it was heaving, it was just like, I'd love to go in there and have a drink. Um, right. So we're knocking on the hour mark. So we ought to crack on. So we're talking threats. Yep. So we're talking threats to. Um, threats to our steady progression. Um, what's your What's your threat? Lone players leaving. Specifically, Matty Virtue, and then potentially um, Diamond as well. Um, we don't want to lose either of them. Let's be honest. Um, I think Virtue is slightly more influential than Diamond, but Diamond is imagine playing against him. He's a, he's a threat, isn't he? He's a massive threat. So because they've both done exceptionally well for us, there is a chance that they can get called back, and that does then weaken us not just in terms of our strongest 11 but that depth that is a bit of a strength at the moment it kind of starts to go away and then you've got to go out and recruit another one of them and then they've got to learn the system 
learn the players, settle in Lincoln. It'd be nice if we can keep hold of those and then add to them. It'd be nice for us to kind of, if anyone is going to go back to their parent club, it's on our terms, not because they've been recalled. Um, so yeah, that was that was my biggest threat really in terms of the link, links directly to the opportunities. Opportunities is our league position, but that losing some of our better players could obviously be a big threat for that league position to to start to to go lower in the table. I think I I I certainly agree with Matty Virtue. Um, I think with Jack Diamond, I don't want to lose Jack Diamond. This isn't meant to be disparaging or or, or any sort of question about about Jack Diamond's impact. Um, my issue around Jack Diamond, or or my my lack of issue about him going, is I think he's the type of player that you can recruit. You look at uh, Raksaki with the other lad we were looking at at Charlton. He's done really well. You know those fast, speedy, tricky wingers. Premier League teams churn them out quite quickly. You only have to That's look at really all the You have to, yeah. This, um, I don't want to lose Jack Diamond. I think that he's he is a real threat. If he goes and we don't recruit anybody and everybody's fit, you've still got Charles Vernon who maybe lacks the quality but has exactly the same attributes: head down, run, fright. And you've got Danny Mandrews come in. Ted Bishop can play. Kind of if we're playing a tighter uh, centre forward, Jordan Garrick potentially to come back in. I think that we're in a good position. Matty Virtue for me, one of the, the the first two names on any team sheet for me personally are your two central midfielders. However, you're arranging your central midfield, that's your heartbeat, and then you build out from there. So for me, I you got I would always write Matty Virtue at the moment the way he's playing, first name, first name on the team sheet. And at the beginning of the season, my my point was always we'll do well if we replace Liam Bridcut. Now Matty Virtue is a different player to Liam Bridcut, but he's He's replaced him in terms of what he offers in the middle of the in park. terms of in terms of quality on the pitch, in terms of having yeah. that, that 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 level of ability, a player with that level of ability. Yeah, he has he's a like for like replacement in yeah. regard to that, not in terms of style. And, um, and, but, and that, yeah, but definitely the point you style. made, the point you made about Diamond though is a really good one. I hadn't really thought of that. It's a really good point. It's much more easy to to loan that that profile of player. I think the points I made still kind of stand in regard to oh, still yeah. settle and hit the ground running and it's still got to be a good loan. But it's much more difficult to find a Matty Virtue. Those sort of players don't normally go on loan. Those sort of players normally are permanent signings for teams. That style what of player. But he's 23, 24, something like that. 20, yeah, something uh, like that. Um, so he's, a, he's established. He's a established senior professional. Um, he's still young. He's still young enough for us to, you know, if or for uh, you know to get a big another big move in his career. Yeah, twenty five. That's, that's the big one. Is he really? Oh yeah, he's twenty five. Um, and and I yeah I. Yeah. So I suppose the biggest everything. threat to that, the biggest threat to that, is Michael Appleton keeping his job. Yeah, yeah. Which is funny because last year at this time, you know, the, the biggest threat to us was probably Michael Appleton. Um, well, the biggest threat for some people was Michael Appleton keeping his job uh, at Lincoln. <laughs> people saw that as a huge threat. Um, this time last year, there was quite a clamour for him to go. I, I didn't agree with it. I'm not going to be a hypocrite, um, unlike I have been around the World Cup. Um, but, yeah, he keeps his job. Matty Virtue stays with us. And, and don't get me wrong, I don't want to lose Jack Diamond. And I don't think there's a desire from, from what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing around Sunderland for them to recall him either. Um, I don't think it's a fear. Last transfer window was the first one I recall us sending somebody back from loan, not mm. having them recalled. Or kind of a mutual recall in Dan and Lundaloo. Wouldn't surprise me if there isn't a similar recall for a player this year. Yeah. Kind of a mutual... Thanks, but no thanks, yeah. but we'll see. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but to, yeah, what was your threat then? Uh, my threat was a much more generic threat, and it's not really about the football club. It's about 
the economic climate and it's about football as a whole moving forward. Um, we know that when Liz Truss was briefly Prime Minister, she she seemed to be sounding out the possibility for doing away with the um, with the uh, independent regulator within football and, and the kind of the white paper for football moving forward. Um, I think uncertainty around regulation, um, things like lifting the 3pm blackout, things like um, ignoring the, the recommendations for um, for football's future are a huge threat for football clubs like Lincoln City. And I think when you're in League One and you look up and down the table and you think, well, you know, that's it's not going to affect Ipswich Town and Portsmouth and, and, and teams like that in the same way that it'll affect Lincoln City, Shrewsbury, etc. So I think that it's still, a, you know, the culture of football is still a huge, huge threat. And whilst we are in one of the better positions to deal with it, of the 24 clubs in our division and, and arguably the 72 clubs of the, the that make up the EFL, I still think that it is a huge threat, especially when when you consider you can be as robust as you want, but Lincoln City at the moment are uh, a, a, a medium-sized club seeking to, to, to up their game, to, to lift a level. So you have to maximise everything, every revenue stream, every potential gain you have to, you have to make. If you're a Bolton, for, for instance... You don't probably quite have to run as tight a ship because there's a bit more money coming in. You're a bit a bigger club. So when outside circumstances, when they change, when the economic climate changes, when season ticket sales drop off because the cost of living is affected, teams like Ipswich and Bolton and Portsmouth can afford to suck that up. We're right on the cusp. And if the cost of living crisis means a thousand people don't buy a season ticket or if lifting the 3 p.m. blackout means 500 two club fans go actually i'll just go to lincoln every other week because i can watch man united at home on a saturday now if that happens we're right on the balance of the tipping point and, yeah. and it could be i'm not talking successive relegations i'm not talking old and scunthorpe i think that we're too robust for that but it could be actually we are a top end league two side rather than a, a top end league one side the, 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 the threat is it could derail our ambition a little bit yeah, 100%. You know, we're not an ambitious club in regard to just chucking money at it as you discussed earlier, we're doing things in the right sustainable way but if things don't go to plan in regard to what happens in 2024, then in terms of the investment, in terms of attracting certain people to the club to help us move in the right direction, this I'm sure every club's probably saying this though, aren't they? Yeah. But yeah, it, it could kind of make them kind of think, well, you know what, actually it's not as viable as it was anymore. I think, you know, what we mentioned at the start about the biggest, one of the biggest strengths to the club is the stability of the ownership. That stability is huge. So that, just current instability and uncertainty about what is coming in 2024 in the whole football landscape. Yeah, like we said, if you haven't got that stability, you, you can't 100% plan for it. Now, I do know that there's been some talks have started before this whole IRF thing comes in. Um, from the, I think the Premier League have been a bit proactive about it, thinking that they'll get an offer in now that's well, soonish that's, and try and get something agreed and accepted before regulator comes in and then maybe, maybe gets them to put more in. Um, so I, I think a positive on that from a financial perspective is that the ball has started moving a little bit now, but we're nowhere, we're nowhere near it being you know, finalised or anything. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a threat. I don't think it's something that, you know, that's, that's just a threat to us. You know, no, it's a no, threat absolutely. to the whole of football. But, but yeah, it's, a, it's certainly something that's, that's up in the end. I mean, as soon as we get some clarity, then all of those other opportunities and questions around... Well, so it's, it's all about money, isn't it? It's, 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 it's all about the financial side of the game. But yeah, I still think be... there are storm clouds and 
we're one of the clubs that's probably stormproofed a little better than the others. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, if the storm comes, you know, it doesn't matter how well, it, it, it can still kind of take you away. And I, I just think the really the fact that it's a threat uh, is it also kind of plays over into the strength and the opportunity as well in that, you know, the whole ownership of Lincoln City has come through in strengths and opportunities and, and, and threats in terms of the climate. So there's an awful lot that can affect this football club off the field. And usually if you do one of these analysis, you might be thinking, you know, one of our weaknesses is right back or one of our weaknesses is, is this or that. But actually, you know, we're in a really good position now, three points fewer and we could be down in 13th or something like that. Would we have a different conversation? You and I probably not. Listeners might actually go, you know, nothing's won or lost in, in, in December or, or whatever. Uh, but I just, it just feels to me like we're in, like the, the, the Cowley era and the success and all of that, that has finished. Yes. That's gone. But that got us and to where we are now. That, that has allowed us now. to enjoy being where we are now. People haven't seen the transition. It was like Danny and Nicky left, Michael Appleton came in, and then we got to the championship. But the Michael Appleton era has been an era of, or was an era of transition. Yeah. Off the field and on the you know, on the field and on the way that we did things on the field, the Danny Cowley era towards the end was transition off the field, and and we 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 transitioned on the field. Yeah, of course we did. That was the catalyst for it. But the club actually was was taking the same approach. You know, when we won League Two, we were spending more money than probably eighty five percent of the teams in the division. So the transition has come since we've come into League One, and where we are right now. There's been some bumps along the way. There's been some bumps that we didn't understand. Mark Kennedy coming in, you know, oh, he's only managed Macclesfield. What is it? But actually, we're in a really good position. I don't think we'll finish ninth. I think we'll finish 14th or 15th this season. What an achievement that would be with a cup run as well. You know, well, that was, that was something I also wrote down about, about another opportunity was just the Pepper Johns. Yeah, yeah, it well, is. Just, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Um, like we've got a favourable draw against uh, Everton. That's a definite home tie. I know they beat Mansfield, but you you would like to back us against yeah. any under twenty one team that like you think if you've got if you're on your game you should be able to beat them, and then you're what a couple of games away from Wembley, aren't you? So uh, that's another opportunity. But you're absolutely right. Cool. And, and the, what interestingly, one of the lads that scored for Everton is it Cannon? And um, he's come on from in, he's, he's come on from in the Premier League a couple of times as well, um, which is interesting. So I was going to have a look at the who else was in the right side of the draw. Um, but I don't think it tells me that. Oh, yeah. So in the draw, so Port Vale, Bolton, Accrington, Salford, I think Man United kids. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I don't know when it mixes it up uh, until we until the next round or the round after. But actually, mm. Stevenage are left in it. Plymouth, MK Dons. I mean, really, outside of Portsmouth, uh, there's not many teams that are above us that are left in the competition. Big opportunity. Right. One hour and 12. It's going to be longer than that. People are going to be either disappointed or delighted. Um, so, yeah. Thank you very much for listening. I don't have anything else to promote, I don't think. No. change. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't have anything to promote. Um, so we will be back as normal next week. I would imagine next week will be Ben and Jake. They'll be talking about Shrewsbury and they'll be looking ahead to the Wickham game. And there's a cup game, I think, the week after. Is it the... Everton game after the Wickham one on the Tuesday yes, night, week from Tuesday. 13th or something, is it? That'd be about right. Yeah, Tuesday the 13th yep. is Everton. So there we go. Chris and I have got through an entire episode without referencing Y Scout once, and the person can tune in again next week 
or the week after knowing that we won't be boring his tits off. Um, all that's left to say is thank you for listening. Up the imps. And up the imps. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.